Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Queued Up Esports. We're on uh, episode four, and uh, this episode we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Deanthrax. Uh, this man uh, went out to Las Vegas over the past weekend while uh, most of us were probably uh, playing Pokemon Sword and Shield, and uh, he <laughs> and he uh, he played in the uh, the North America Regional Qualifier for the Capcom Cup. So. Uh, so I, I- <laughs> I should I should preface that. Uh, so, the North American Regional Finals had two tournaments there. There was the actual regional qual- final that people were able to qualify off of points throughout the year, and then there was the open bracket tournament that they had the day before. The fir- the second one is the one that I played in, not the first, as I had not qualified through points throughout the year, although it would have been great to do so. Um, and we could talk more about that as we get down the line. Yeah, I mean you're you're uh, you're working on it though. You uh, you yeah, could have been. Uh, I could have been. I just need a little bit more to go. You know, it is what it is. Uh, so D'Angelo, do you want to uh, kind of talk about the event in general and uh, like what cor- uh, what sort of stakes are on the line? Sure. So uh, this was the last chance for anybody who was able to qualify off of points for the Capcom Cup uh, Invitational in December. So there were a lot of people that were super hopeful that wanted to qualify. Basically what ended up happening was this was the most ridiculous bracket that I've seen this entire year, given that I've gone to almost every tournament for on, on the CPT relative to, to North America. Everybody that could have qualified or had a chance of qualifying and uh, through points was here. And also, because it was a super premiere, there are only three super premieres in the, you know, on the Pro Tour meaning that they give out 1,000 points for the victor, or it might be 700 now. But basically, the person that wins the Super Premiere gets enough points that they would qualify for the uh, for the Capcom Pro Tour. So, yeah, it was 1,000 points for Super Premiere, yeah. So the only three Super Premieres were the North American Regional Final, the Japan Regional Final, and EVO. Those are the only three throughout the year that give you 1,000 points. And the person that was in 26th place, I think, qualified for Capcom Cup with 920-some-odd points. So that's the re- like Winning this, if you didn't have any points going into it, you could have made it into Capcom Cup. It was essentially a, an LCQ for, our, for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so... That being said, right, a lot of people that came out to this were very well positioned to play some of the best players in the world. And I think a lot of people knew that even if they weren't able to win, they would they would get enough like casual games against or like tournament games against people that were just really good. There were people and <laughs> so because this had the same amount of this it had the same level and prestige as something like Evo, but it also didn't have the same number of entrants. There was a lot of people that went O2 drop that still ended up getting more Pro Tour points than had they have won out of their bracket at EVO. You can do that? <laughs> oh my god. Even without so, a W at all, you can actually do that? Yeah, so it pay, it gave you Pro Tour points up to top 129. And I think it was like something like 127 people entered. So going 0-2 got you 129 at this tournament. Yeah, also, that, that just gets you points. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it, just gets you, it just gets you points. But... First place at Evo was something like thirty-seven thousand dollars, I think. Uh, first place at this was fifty grand. So, oh, that's you, different. Okay. you definitely made out a lot better if you came to this uh, money-wise as well. So it's pretty interesting to see. Yeah, it's it's almost like really weird because like if I look at it as a competitor and I'm playing Street Fighter Five like at a high level of competitive play and I'm picking my tournaments. It it almost incentivizes me not to go to Evo, which is the the granddaddy of like all FGC tournaments. Yeah, it's prestige, I guess. It's definitely the prestige, right? Like the money doesn't hurt, right? But like if you're looking at it from from the point of view of I want to win a major tournament, Evo's still that tournament to just be like, yeah, yeah man, I I won Evo. Like that's that's still the accomplishment, right? I feel like no one no one's gonna care about winning Evo specifically for money. If you wanna it's always been in the community that if you wanna if you wanna win the prestige, you win Evo. If you wanna win the money, you win Capcom Cup. So that's that's fair. Yeah. Also, Evo like all the eyes of the world are on Evo, whether or not you are even into fighting games. Like it's front page on Twitch. Uh, like news outlets talk about it. 
news outlets aren't talking about Capcom Cup. They're talking about Evo. So yeah. like, doing well on Evo goes farther. It'll go farther for a player's career um, than the immediate money of Capcom Cup, probably. For sure. So uh, you uh, you mentioned there's a there's a lot of uh, very talented people at this uh, this tournament. Can you give us like a little brief rundown of just what your bracket looked like? Because I I looked it over and it's it was pretty insane from my perspective. But I want to know what it lo- like looked like from your perspective, and I kind of want you to describe that to someone who has no idea about Street Fighter Five. Sure. So in my bracket, I can see. I'm looking at it right now. Punk, Justin Wong, Infectious, NL, uh, Hurricane, right? And out of all those names, I have just named the current best player in the world in Punk, uh, Justin Wong, a multiple-time EVO finalist, Infectious, who made top eight at EVO in Street Fighter V this year, uh, and Hurricane, another uh, world-class talent from... I don't want to get get this wrong, but I think he's from France. I think he speaks French, uh, but he's from he's from the European region. Um, and NL, uh, one of the best Korean players uh, that we know of right now. Um, so yeah, like and and then even people that I didn't name to to take a better look at it. There were uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, uh, sixteen people. In my bracket, and only three of them, uh, Justin Wong, myself, and one other person, uh, did not have sponsors. And Jay Wong doesn't have one because he doesn't need one. Yeah, Jay Wong doesn't have one because he sponsors other people. So, <laughs> Right, so could very well be be a sponsored player. Yeah. and like yeah. could, be, could be representing any organization he probably wants. Was also like... sponsored by Echo Fox up until a point ago. Uh, was sponsored by EG, so... Yeah, I mean, like, there's multiple reasons why he just doesn't have a sponsor right now, but none of them are because he doesn't need one or doesn't, right. like, he just, yeah, it's just formality right. at that point. Um, but, like, looking at my bracket is kind of crazy, right? And then you, you go down and you look at some of the other brackets, and you realize that all of these brackets are insane. That there was a chance for, like, there were there were brackets where people that were, like, Warlord-level online players or real tournament grinders uh just went oh and two it was bound to happen i uh i remember we were uh kind of talking about this uh earlier in the week and you told me that at a certain point like every match people were watching could have just been a grand finals match somewhere in the world yeah it, that was the craziest thing about this was at when once you got once you get to top 24 right which happened that same day every match mattered and there were so many matches that just mattered on a level that like on a personal level for people that were trying to get into capcom cup um one of the best stories is about kichipamu and itabashi zangief who are both from japan both known to be very strong uh players of uh, zangief they both play zangief and abigail and they both had the exact same number of capcom pro tour points going into this event so the and basically what happens is only one of them can get in um, through points ad- dictating how this tournament goes because one of them will obviously do better than the other. Um, so Kichipamu, if I remember correctly, almost made it to top eight but lost to Knuckle Dew. Um, and then boy, right on. Yeah, and then Itabashi Zangief, uh, Itabashi Zangief had to do better than him in order to make it into Capcom Cup or like get enough points to be higher than him. And there was a point where his match was up and everybody in the entire like esports arena was just watching that match because it completely dictated the rest of um of how Capcom Cup like turned out. And uh if I remember correctly, Itabashi Zangief lost. Uh and so he's not in Capcom Cup this year, which is insane to think about because he was in grand finals of Capcom Cup last year. Wow. Yeah. Rough. Damn. Yeah, it's a it's it was it's very sad. I I think it's safe to say like this whole tournament was just like a tournament of killers. And it's it's one of those things where it's like there were you said this was like the last tournament for like people to like get in. So everyone and their mother is out fighting in this tournament. So I did say that, but then to renege on that a little bit, 
there's another tournament coming up the day before Capcom Cup, the actual LCQ. Oh, the God. winner, the winner of that gets a spot into into Capcom Cup, and I'll be going to that on the 13th of December. <laughs> oh my God, you maniac! Well, Good I guess I guess we'll we'll be doing another one of these when you uh, <laughs> when you get back from that one. Yeah. So. So that's your bracket. <laughs> that was my bracket. Uh, my experiences in the bracket, I didn't go 0-2. Um, considering all the talent in here, I was very... It, it wasn't that I was like, man, I, I could just lose, right? But it was more like, man, on my best day, I could beat any one of these people, right? And that's what that's what I felt going into it. The experiences that I had in this tournament were amazing. There are a lot of like people that you get to interact with over the over the internet or you see them on a stage and you think like oh man this this has got to be what this guy's like but then you get to, to talking with them in person and you realize they're nothing like that right like they are an actual human being you get to interact with them that's like my favorite part of like being a being a part of this scene is that you get to see so many things that a lot of people that if you, if you don't travel to events you don't get to experience that right um my i my favorite story like so far is of playing infectious and um if you ever look at Infectious play, uh, especially on uh, when he when he got top eight, he signed by the group that Daigo owns, uh, CYG Beast. And Infectious is the most stoic player you've ever seen. Win or lose, they call him a robot. Win or lose, his facial his facial expressions don't change. Um, he he pre- he just processes the information and moves on to the next match. Right? If he loses the match, whatever happens. Like you know, like there's no emotion he gets off the stage you see nothing right like it's it's amazing like i i truly enjoy it right come to find out this dude will talk your ear off in a second if you ask him one question and like he's got a british accent right he's from he's from uh he's from europe so like it's amazing because like i could just listen to him talk and ramble on about anything all day it's my favorite part of the day because like we went into playing and uh we had a conversation after about uh, we were watching another group of people play, and it was just like I was I was looking at them from the point of view of, man, it's really interesting how he's sneaking those dashes in there because he was playing M Bison, which is a character that I play, and then he goes like, yeah, it's really interesting, like what you can force your opponent to look at so you can get away with something else, and then we just had like a whole like twenty minute conversation about that because it was like the way that you phrased that was interesting, like like I never considered it like that that hey maybe I should like do other things that my opponent starts looking for this so that way I can sneak this thing through here. Or maybe like I should start doing all these other things to overload my opponent's like mental stack so I can like if I specifically want this one thing, that's how I get it, right? And it, like we just had like a great conversation about that. It was one of my uh, it was a very eye opening experience into um the eyes of someone that I'm getting top eight at Evo this year. So I mean it's, it's definitely something that you like as a tournament player you would expect that you already know but it's always it's always good to hear it and have it confirmed by someone else especially someone that's done it to just be like oh, okay like I, like i'm not completely off base on the way that i'm thinking about this that's actually one of my favorite things about going to tournaments um is, is isn't even like playing half the time it's just shooting the shit and talking talking the game with people you wouldn't normally talk to um, mm-hmm. because even if they even if i mean we, we both people have studied the game for as long as the game has been out right um it's not like you're, you're not like the concepts are new, but just getting their perspective on it compared to the people you've been talking to locally in your scene is going to be very different because he's coming from a totally different scene. And, you know, you're playing the same. You said you both play Bison. You're both playing the same characters, uh, which happens the same, same thing a lot in Smash. But whenever I go to a Smash tournament, it's always it's like I'll just just hang out with people. And that I find almost as much as almost more interesting than just playing the games and just having conversations and it seems like that you got you get a lot of very similar experience out of it. Yeah, it showed me that the way that I'm looking at things is right, and, but application and understanding are two different things still. So I'm, it's something that I've been trying to work on since I got back, and I'm really enjoying seeing that the progress is is being made slowly but surely. So I just have to continue on with that. So that kind of like leads me to. Uh, something I've been kind of thinking about uh, with this tournament um, because you uh, you posted your uh, bracket link in a chat a while ago and like I looked over and I was like oof that's like a really rough bracket and from my talks with you and like knowing you for a while I know you're the kind of person that like you play to win like you're you're at the tournament because you eventually want to like 
beat all your opponents and be up on the stage and like win the win the grand fi- uh <laughs> grand finals win the whole thing get like get all the fame get all the glory but like this tournament we we've said it it's like it, it was like a tournament of killers so yeah. i have to ask if you looked at your bracket looked at who was playing in this tournament and had to alter your mindset into thinking like well Maybe I'm not going to come out on top. Maybe I'm not going to come out with the best record, but mm-hmm. can I go into this tournament with the uh, the mindset of learning and asking questions and playing against people I wouldn't get to play against? And just the, the victory you achieve is growth as a player. Yeah, no, not at all. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I 100% thought that, I, and like, I mapped out my pathway to the point where I thought that like, okay, here's what I do. Here's how I beat this person. Here's what I beat this person. You, you bracket project, right? And I projected myself both through winners and losers to say how I would beat the people that I would play against. And I, it's actually something that I've been trying to do more because I think that um, something that I see a lot of professional players do is like once they, they reach a level of uh, proficiency, they can both like play to win and learn in the same match at the same time. And I think that that's like a skill that you you have to practice it to get better at it, like any skill. But it's something that I, I if I don't practice it, I don't think that I'll get better at it. So I growth growth and winning can be simultaneous rewards uh, for someone that's willing to learn in the match because learning in the middle of the match is simply just adapting to your opponent and your opponent's play styles. Um, and whether or not I'm good or bad at it, I think that it's it's an area of improvement that anyone can work on. And I, I think that it's something that I'm not great at, but it's something that I, I, because I've identified that I'm not great at it, I could be good at it, like even better than I am now. Is there a specific play style um, that you don't, you're not good at or just don't like playing against? Yeah. Um, there are some times where against Rushdown, like against Rushdown heavy players, sometimes I, if I don't know all of your options, and I don't know your uh, your like how do I how do I put this right? So there there are times where you can overload my mental stack, right? Where like if you have if you have a character, right? I'll give you an example. A character like Armika, she has a lot of ways where she can get really close to you. She can she has a dive kick that she can well not a dive kick, it's like a drop kick. She can charge it up. She can do it uncharged. She has a crouching heavy move that she like rolls across the ground. She has a sweep. It's kind of like a slide. Um, she can jump at you. She can jump and then do a body splash, which alters her trajectory. Um, so she she has a bunch of ways where how she can get next to you, right? And and she she can also just dash, right? She can just dash and walk up next to you. So if you're the type of person that specifically goes to one or two of those options, sometimes I'll feel more comfortable because I will specifically look for one or two of those options, right? Because you can't look for all of those options all the time. I'll look for like if you're the type of player that I know you want to dash and I know you like the drop kick, I'll I will devote more of my mental energy to looking towards those. But if you're the type of person that's able to like mix it up and throw in a couple things there that I'm not looking for and do that at at a level of consistency where I I can't see it every single time um, when you're next to me, I think that sometimes I'm just gonna get God. You'll you'll just overload my ability to see and or react to what it is, and I will not be able to. I won't be able to react as well as I could have, let's say, knowing what type of player that you are. Is it because it's rushdown because it's faster? Uh, is that necessarily? I'm, I'm I'm making distinction not necessarily mm-hmm. because uh, of the option select that she has a lot of options to get in, but because yeah. it's it's a rushdown character and you get to do that more often and get in your face more often. Is that the reason why? So I think that um, a lot of it comes down to how I think I play and process the game, and. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in real quick. D'Angelo gets into his own head. He yeah, that's very true. He wants to know what the opponent's doing, so he tries to play like the mind reader, and he likes to look at the opponent's options and figure out like this is the optimal option, so they're going to do that. And this is like where he and I differ as players because I'm the kind of person where like I get in that situation, I'm like. Well, I might not know what's going to come, but I know what I can do, and I'm going to try to project that back onto them. Whereas D'Angelo is, like, seeking out the perfect opportunity to get, like, the optimal punish. Nah, man. Nah, that's not true at all. I, I it's think that's par- true. It's partly true. But, okay, <laughs> so I, I heard a quote. I, I saw a quote today that I thought was, like, 
perfect, right? And I was just like, man, I I definitely vibe with this very, very heavy. Someone said, uh, let me go see what it is real quick. That's, uh, it was on Twitter, and the exchange goes like, humans are so bad at estimating risk versus reward. And then someone wrote right under it, right? Two, two of these people, good friends on my on my Twitter, uh, Moons and uh, Spabrog, both like historically great players in their games, right? Spabrog says, I feel like people are too busy making the right decisions rather than the best decision. And I was just like, damn, I I felt that. Like, very often do people get caught up with making like, well, what's the right decision right here? Instead of like, what's like the best decision that leaves me in, in a situation, right? Like the quote unquote right decision isn't always the best decision, right? Right, because like- but there's only one best decision right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah there are many many right decisions but only one best decision yeah and i think that right like and going back to how i process games i think that the ability for me to create context uh for me and my opponent is something that i i try to do and in that situation if i'm creating context and it's not correct then there's a miscommunication between me and my opponent that i am not getting and it's very easy for you to miscommunicate your intentions by overloading my ability to understand what it is that you're trying to tell me. And rushdown characters just happen to do that better than most. Especially, it's mostly rushdown characters with, an, with uh, command throws because I am very, very apt to blocking. I, I want to get better at blocking. I tech a lot of throws. It's one of my worst habits. But against command throw characters, I don't tech throws. I just sit there and block, and it's easily one of the worst things ever because eventually my the risk-reward is in my favor if I hold up. I have to hold up eventually. So, And sometimes I feel like I don't, which is why like you'll see people get thrown, like command throw, like three or four times in a row. Mika has an actual command throw loop where she can throw you, dash up, and if she does the command throw again when you get up, you just get thrown unless you jumped out of it the second like that you, you, you wake up. So, yeah, that, sometimes that just happens, right? And... Just using Mika as an example, I didn't play against any Mikas, but like that's that's like the kind of thing that gets me in terms of me making poor decisions because my stack is overloaded. All right, uh, I kind of want to shift gears. Uh, we kind of like veered off of the tournament itself, um, yeah. but uh, I th- I still think that was like a very good discussion. So you said you did like some bracket mapping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Can you describe to me like where you thought you were gonna end up in the bracket and? what actually happened and kind of give me like a recount of the matches that you played sure so i actually thought that something like this would happen um but in a completely different way um i i had myself pegged for uh, beating mr crimson which was kind of interesting because uh when we first started out it got a little wonky because i had to call a a to over so that we could do a blind select and basically a blind Ooh. select is yeah. yeah so this this happens a lot um, in in tournament play, um, and so what happened was we both sat down and we went to go hover over our characters, right? So he hovered over his character, his main character that he plays is Dalsim. Um, so I hovered over M Bison. Uh, in doing so, he switched over and hovered over Karen, and in doing so, I decided to hover over and switch over to Karen. To which he moved his cursor to Dalsim. To which I moved my cursor to Bison. And it and never we ends. A, we did that for a minute and a half <laughs> before one of us was like, blind select. And uh, because he's French, uh, he said, we. Oui. And uh, I was just like, well, oh, that was kind of cute. Called over <laughs> a T.O. Uh, and we, I was just like, hey, can we, uh, can we do a blind select? And so what happens is he whispers his character that he's going to choose into the T.O.'s ear. I choose my character. And then the T.O. just like, confirms that he doesn't cheat and picks the the counterpick to my character right he just picks the he just picks a character that he told him so we do we do that um and he ends up beating me with uh dalsim dalsim bison okay. which i thought that i was going to win i not that i thought i was going to win right but i thought i would i would i thought i was going to be able to take that the matches were relatively close um but i, I didn't end up clutching it out my goal was to make it to justin wong had i made it to justin wong uh, and lost, it would have put me in the bracket where I thought I was going to be and lose to Infectious. But I didn't realize that that's, that Infectious was also going to lose. So because of that, it just happened one round quicker than it was supposed <laughs> to then in my head and losers than it was supposed to. So I was just like, all right, well, that sucks, but it is what it is, right? That's uh, Because I, I tried to map myself through losers as well, and I was like, all right, well, Infectious is going to win right here, so I'll play this Southpaw guy, which I, I thought... 
and I did I did end up beating him. He was an Urian player. It was uh, it was two zero. Uh, there was only one round that I think that I flailed a little bit to get out of a situation, and I just like backdash out of like a mirror because like he places like an Aegis reflector and can bounce you off of it, and I, I just backdash out of it completely. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this, and I didn't have to deal with it, and I felt really good about it. I was just like, all right, bye. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I had that pretty handily, and then they're like, yeah, Infectious lost. You have to play him, and I was just like, what? Hello? All right. That's yeah. that's the problem I have with uh, bracket mapping. Every time mm-hmm. I've ever been to an event, um, and I've like tried to map out the bracket, it is like something radical has always happened, either to me or to whoever I thought I was supposed to be playing, and then like I end up playing against this dude from like out of state, and I have no idea who he is, and I just assumed he'd get beat by the good player that I know is good. And then I'm like, oh, he plays this really weird character I don't know how to beat? Okay, I guess I lose here. Yeah, like, I, I it's one of those things where I, I had I had purposefully thought about playing everyone in my pool. And even with that, I still wasn't mentally prepared for playing against uh, Infectious. So Infectious has, like, the reputation for being very stoic, playing very clean, doing a lot of... Um, Playing playing the game very textbook, right? As 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 a as a member of uh, Great Britain would do, he would play you in the, the Queen's game and just like just play you like straight up, right? He didn't do any of that. He just tried. He, <laughs> he, he tried so <laughs> hard. He's playing with his pinky up, man. He's got a yeah, yeah exactly, right? He's playing the civilized game, right? We were playing playing the civilized game is what I everyone expects that to be, right? Cause like I was talking with someone else about it after I was like, no man, he just like, he just did it. He just got, he's got up in your face and pressed buttons. And I was just like, what are you doing, man? Like what is happening right now? He's just like, bam. I was like, you get me. And I was just like, all this like British slang. And I was just like, yeah, just keep telling me everything, man. It's pretty cool. But yeah, no, he, he got, <laughs> he would get next to me and he would, he would do obviously fake things for me to check it. And this was, well, this went back to what we were talking about uh, later where he would do the fake things to see if I was checking it, which means that after that, he would start doing real things. Because if I'm looking for the fake thing, I'm not looking for the real thing. And at that point, he got so much value off of very real tick throws that I wasn't looking for because he spent the entire time conditioning me with fake run-stop mix-ups. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was really good. It was a master class in conditioning, and I passed with flying colors, apparently. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, you said you were going to lose them before you started the bracket, and then you did at the end. So at the end of the day, I feel like mission accomplished, right? Yeah, right. Like I just, I just didn't, I didn't actually want to lose. I wanted to, you know, what I mean, like I say that I, I could lose, right? But I definitely feel as though, on a better day, um, had I been more aware, had I have, had I have weighed my risk reward better, I would have, uh, I could have done a much better job than I feel like I did. But I mean, that being said. Even after I was out of the tournament, just getting to walk around the the esports arena and watch everyone like play and take their time playing matches was insane. There wasn't a single match there that was bad. Everyone playing was was ridiculous. And there was uh, between rounds, there was enough time for casual setups where people were people were playing and you could like go up and watch people play and so on and so forth. So like in in my spare time, I watched Bonchan play against G and specifically try to and by G I mean like he put he put, he set the computer on G he wasn't playing anyone and he was just like uh labbing out a particular situation on like what what he could do or at least like getting it better into muscle memory before he had to play someone like Knuckle Dew because I think that's exactly what happened he knew that he had to play Knuckle Dew later in the day um because he did his own bracket mapping but was subsequently better at the game so he knew that he who he was going to play to get into top 8 so that ended up happening um, and you, you just saw him practicing this one situation over and over and over until he got it down to muscle memory. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like I get it. Like we're all, we're all still humans here. We're not, not actually robots. Some people are robots. Some people, some people are robots. One thing uh, we haven't really gotten into is uh, what was uh for an event like this size and you know, this amount of mm-hmm. prize money, what was uh, the setup? Like, you know, like sure. Give me, so, give me a rundown on the venue and uh, the tournament structure and everything. 
HyperX Las Vegas, right? HyperX Esports Las Vegas in the beautiful Luxor Luxor Hotel uh, on the Strip, right? Like that's probably the whole spiel they they give you every single time. Um, This this venue is kind of different from other venues um, because usually it's set up in a hotel, right? But the the HyperX Arena is a is a built for specifically running esports tournaments. They have like a they have a cache of systems and computers so they can run multiple different kinds of tournaments, right? They can run they can run Fortnite tournaments, they can run Apex Legends tournaments, they can run Smash tournaments, they can run fighting game tournaments. So it's actually like pretty cool to see that this thing was uh, designed as such. There was a really nice stage um, and and the seating like uh, venue seating in the center of it, and on two sides of it there were uh, places for people to set up uh, to set up systems and. The bracket runners here, if I remember correctly, were from the local Las Vegas scene. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, but they were, they had each system with a uh, with a number, and there was one main person controlling the computer, and two or three bracket runners that that went went out and scouted to say, hey, um, these are the stations that are available for people to play, and they would just filter people down through the system. It was actually one of the better run events that I've been to in terms of consistency and speed. Um, I, I don't think that it was off by much, except for in the morning, because a lot of people couldn't find their way to the esports arena. Um, so it, I think there was like a 20 minute delay, but even with a 20 minute delay for the 10 a.m. pool, we still got done quick enough to get to the 12 o'clock pool without running any inter- interruptions. So it's a double elimination setup. Uh, if you win, if you lose one match, um, you get sent down to the losers bracket. They call it the lower bracket now, but that's like a point of contention, and we'll like have a conversation about that later. <laughs> but lower bracket sounds you you lost, man. It's okay. Like that's, we're not. That's the uh, the PC version. Yeah, it's the PC version is the lower bracket. And I'm just like, oh man, like I don't. I feel like I don't that's like the same all. thing, but like it's, it it's, is. It's just as bad in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Oh, you're in the lower bracket. Right. Mm, yeah, it's quite. Yeah. Now instead of loser, I, you're like I'd we're. Rather, it's I'd classism. rather know I lost than be like a second class citizen. That's yeah. Like. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You're no. Hundred percent. You're in the lower. Yeah. Like, definitely like the lower tax bracket uh, for people that didn't win the tournament, right? Um. So yeah, the the winner of the tournament will either win. Uh, without losing a single match, or have only lost one match in the entire uh, in the entire tournament span. Whether or not it's the, it does show itself and lend itself to some level of luck, obviously in the bracket uh, creation part of it. But mostly, I want to say like ninety percent of it is just consistency overall. Like when you see someone winning a tournament over and over and over, that person in a double elimination bracket is very very consistent. Um, and has the skills to back it up. There were a lot of setups here. Uh, if I remember correctly, there were 16 setups, which means that 32 people could be playing at one time. When I used to run tournaments, the math was if you have two stations, you can run an eight-man bracket in exactly two hours. Uh, so with this, we were able to speed through the entire bracket itself. The the setups were the setups were slightly different this time around. Um, they were different monitors than a lot of people were used to. Um, they were LG monitors, um, and I, I don't know if it, like people have talked about that, uh, especially from an FGC to a Smash background. But the type of like monitor consistency is pretty key um, because of like how HD um, HD monitors react uh, to latency, <laughs> and so having like a good like sixty frame like two millisecond response time monitor has always just been like the status quo, right? Before, right. it used to be the Asus monitor. Now, yes. it's like BenQ. Um, BenQ makes a very good monitor. And Zowie, which is basically just um, BenQ, but rebranded like Toyota did Lexus. So, on, on that topic, I mean, you're talking to two people that play a game where we have to haul around a, you know, a 500-pound TV because, <laughs> because we are unable to play true. on anything else. Yeah, we we totally understand the the relevance yeah. of having a good a good monitor in your case or a TV in our case. There um, have been times where I feel like I've seen people playing on like I've seen people play melee on the small little like television that you get at like a diner when you put the the quarter in 
at your seat and you get to watch television there. Like this thing can't be more than eight inches diameter, right? Like oh, yeah. people play on it. They're yeah. guys are like I've seen people play on the Pikachu, uh the Pikachu television that they have at McDonald's. Yep. Um <laughs> there's a nice Disney Princess one I've seen. There's a Shrek. Yeah, TV like I've Yeah, seen. I was I was just gonna say uh someone some in the these local the community has a uh, a little mermaid TV and oh, uh, when I went to Dreamhack twenty seventeen there was a Shrek TV. <laughs> And these are like some of these monitors are insanely small, and then you have like the other end of people with like what is it like the Sony like um Sony what's Trinitrons. that yeah the, tr- the the Trinitrons yeah those are like the top end right like those are like, really good because they were 480p and you can have component inputs on yeah I I, I knew what you said <laughs> <laughs> no but like I actually I only slightly know what you what you mean by that because I I remember having a flat screen. It was a flat. It wasn't flat screen, right? It was a. It was still a big, bulky television. It was a. It was a Samsung, but the screen was flat. It wasn't like curved or convex, right? And like, yeah, and that was like super important, like back then, um, because it like I, you needed one of those to play any game in tournament, right? So, and I remember playing on that. Uh, I, I was playing Xbox on that for the longest time before I got my Asus monitor, and I was still grinding out combos in 480p before I ever got to play in 720 like all the other tournament people did. So, yeah. The reason those are really good um, is because, well, well, they're in 480p instead of 480 for one. So, like, normal TVs um, are interlaced, and, and it, it's just not as crisp, you can, mm-hmm. as you can tell. Yeah. Um, but then the reason it can do that is because it has component inputs. So not, like, the regular yellow, white, and red inputs, but it'll have the, uh, the white and red, but it'll have, like, the orange, green, and blue ones too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what allows it to do that. Um, that's like you can do up to 720p with that. Um, not that we ever supported that, but you it yeah. can before HDMI. That's how HD was done. Gotcha. Um, so you know, for a Smash tournament, you would run, or specifically a melee tournament, you would you would have a Wii with component cables out to one of those, and then you actually get the best quality you can get out of it. Gotcha. So that's yeah. That was that was a big deal. But yeah, um, setup wise, like I think that that's one of the things too that I was really really surprised with is that they had like these little yeah, like whole weird. whole yeah like LG is kind of strange, but like they had these whole kit and caboodle things where like the system, the computer, and everything was like stored inside of them. They fold up, they fold down, like they allow you to like like create the space for them. I really like them. They looked like they were purpose built. Um, and I'd love to find those to see because they just like they packaged them all up and they boxed them all in, locked them down, and then wheeled them away. And I was just like, "Wow, this is convenient, <laughs> efficient." Yeah, it's very, very efficient, very, very convenient. I love it a lot. Um, the layout of the esports arena itself is really good. Um, one of the things that I like about going to tournaments is seeing the ballroom um, trans like, transformed into an area for people to to play in. Um, this year, going to ECT, they had a new venue in uh, where was it in Connecticut? Um, first year here at this venue, and the ballroom was gorgeous, right? It's it's one of my favorite. You, you see the, the the inside of a lot of hotel rooms, right? A lot of Sheridans. So to be able to see the inside of uh, of a new hotel that had a really nice ballroom, and then to come here to Vegas and then see like the inside of like a purpose built like esports arena, that was a pretty cool like thing. Um, I really enjoyed that a lot. The stage was amazing. I'll post some pictures. You had your own bracket run, and uh, you said you like I said you've told me that uh, this is a tournament where almost any match could have been a grand finals match somewhere in the world. Yeah. What was your favorite match of the tournament that you saw? Oh man, um, if that's, that's too a hard, really good one. If that's too hard, give me like a top three. Sure. Um, there were a couple that were just like really solid. I think for me, like anyone where where Bison is doing really well in is super fun for me to watch. Um, so watching uh, Hot Dog play Punk was one of my favorite matches of the day. Hot Dog is a player from Hong Kong, uh, and Punk is the best North American player with also the most points on the CPT. Who was hoping to win this tournament so he could have over be the only player to hit five thousand CPT points, which is insane because you only need like you like the lowest qualifier qualified with nine hundred and eighty points. Yeah, so I, I was in there with four hundred eighty. <laughs> I was just gonna Ab- say, so he wanted to qualify five times over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like five times just better than everyone, 
right? But yeah, watching watching Hot Dog versus Punk was very very eye opening because the way that he approached that matchup is very good. Um, I really like that a lot. Watching Bonchan versus Punk was also really good um, because uh, they both play the same character. Um, they played Karen, a Karen mirror, and it's it's almost like watching two Jigglypuffs play each other, right? But instead of a back air, you're watching crouching uh, medium kick, and they're both vying for space with crouching medium kick and doing everything they can to not hit crouching medium kick so they can hit you with something else because you know they're going to try and hit you with crouching medium kick. And it's it's just the dance they do is really good, and how they're able to maneuver in and out of space was really, really amazing. I think we value different things. <laughs> <laughs> I really like space control. Space control is amazing. Same. I like it when it's not always doing the same move over and over is all. Um, that's fair. Like I understand when, because you're using that move because that's your best way to, um, it's, it's like, it's a, it's the best way to, it's like your, 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 your fastest recovery move that still uh, has a bit of range to it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what ends up being your best move for that. But like, I like it when other, other, See, it's different in, in that traditional FGC compared to Smash because there's like dash dancing and all kinds of other things you can yeah. do to, 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 to do it in Smash. But I hate it when it's just you're your, your crouching medium, I think you said, or in Dilukov's case, back air. Um, it's over and over and over. I think that gets old fast. It, it can, but I think like the, for me, like the the subtlety in it comes from having the tool and then not doing it, right? So like when you see them walk into like, into the range to do crouching medium kick and then they just block like it's just like man like that that was really good it's I think like things like that are showing mastery of like not just like the situation but of yourself to like hold back on just doing it and throwing it out there is like really good and I, that, that's something that i really like watching i think it's just really fun to watch the yeah. gears turn yeah yeah oh i see yeah at that point that's it's more fun to watch the player cam than it is watching the uh the actual gameplay yeah like being able to to see that like how the players are reacting to these situations is it's really really good, um, and then for like a third one, probably uh, I'm trying to think. I don't want to have Punk in a third one because I was like, I was gonna say weird. if you if you said a third one with Punk, I was gonna be like, huh? So you just really only liked Punk playing? <laughs> no, um, let me see. Uh, there was there was a match where um. It was Game of Me versus Nemo, uh, and Nemo's known as a bulldog. Uh, he will just like he'll he'll press buttons on your wake up. He'll do the thing right. He'll 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 wake he'll exdp on your wake up right. Like that's the kind of person he is. And if I remember correctly, Gamer B threw him like six times in a row. Like, it was it was beautiful. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Like it was just it was command throw into command throw into command throw, and the and the, the commentators are like, there's no way he's gonna do it again. He does it again to son him, and they're just like, all right, well, listen, there's a casino right outside. We're taking him. We're going to the slots. <laughs> we're like, to to heck with this tournament. We're going out there like right now. Like that that moment was really cool for me. So everyone lost their minds. Literally everyone. I believe it. Well, it like do any it a fifth time. Anytime like the same move happens, like. Contrary to like you know the the whole spacing thing, I get really hype when there's like situations like that where it's like oh yeah like he's not gonna grab him again that would be completely absurd and then they just grab yeah. him again like those are always the best moments. Yeah. All right. What was your favorite not tournament related thing that happened at that uh that event? Oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> One of one of the best things about going to tournaments are all the salty sweets and going to other people's like rooms, playing, drinking, having fun, chilling out with people that your common interest is Street Fighter, and then figuring out like what your other interests are, right? Like you can you can really like you can make some good friends um, at events like this. For me, I ended up going to uh, I went to a friend's room and we ended up going to. Popeyes and in the hotel over and getting Popeyes chicken sandwiches and I hadn't had the spicy chicken sandwich yet and then all three of us got uh, Popeyes spicy chicken sandwiches and we rated them and critiqued them and it was just such a like surreal moment it was like all right man you know what we're gonna do let's go get a chicken sandwich and rate it and like all right I'm yeah, thinking cool, Popeyes but... yeah it's hundred percent people are out here dying over that sandwich you haven't had it yet that's crazy. Someone it's, like got shot over that sandwich. You have to try. It doesn't surprise me at all. No, I know. It's I, I gotta to try it. There isn't a Popeyes like 
that close to where I live. I have to like drive fairly out of my way to get to one. It's kind of annoying. I feel like that's probably because there's like a church's chicken or something closer. There's a PDQ and a million Chick-fil-A's. There's, yeah. There is actually yeah. a church's chicken closer to him than a Popeye's. Actually, I yeah, that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a church as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a weird market, right? That's just cornered from like Chick Fil A down there. But that's another complete topic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not it's not current. It's not, it's not current events right now for this. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a whole other a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's and like we did that at like, oh, man, was it? It was still eleven o'clock or one o'clock in the morning. It was just like let's go to Popeyes. And it was like, oh, it's Vegas. Who am I kidding? Never yeah, mind. it's, it's Vegas. Everything's market. open, right? Like yeah. you're just like whatever, man. Like we'll just get you want chicken sandwich at one a.m. Yeah, you get a chicken sandwich at one a.m. Fuck it, dude. Let's go get a chicken sandwich at one o'clock in the morning. Let's do it. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. And then like we went, <laughs> we ended up going back to uh, to someone's hotel room and we we're playing sets. And then someone brought up a bottle of tequila, so we went downstairs to go get mixers. We went downstairs to get mixers. I went back up to... I was going back up with them to the room, and I was just like, hey, I'm going to grab something from my room real quick. I'll be right back. Uh, come to find out that I fell asleep in my room, woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, was like, oh, shit, I didn't come right back. I messaged them. <laughs> uh, but we were all we were all drinking, so I left all my stuff in his room. So I was like, fuck. And, like, mind you, I'd never met this dude before. No good citizen. If you're listening to this one day, you're a fucking amazing dude. Shout outs for just watching all my stuff all the time, even though I just passed out in my room after I had, like, two drinks because I'm a lightweight. But regardless, yeah, man, like, that's... And those are the type of things, right? Like, you just make friends with people. Oh, we play fighting games together? Oh, like, we've talked on the internet three times? We're yeah, best friends. Over. We're best friends now. Come over to my hotel room and leave all your shit here. And I was just like... Yeah, I'm about that. That's cool. And his tag is no good citizen, you said? Yeah. Um, Fucking ironic as hell. Fun fact. Listen, don't tell anyone he's actually a good person. It'll ruin his persona. Everyone will be upset. Gotta tell him he was a terrible person, but a great host. Stole God all damn. your stuff. Just threw yeah, it took all my stuff, right? He's got he's to live up to, the, to his lore, right? He's got to live <laughs> up to his lore. But, yeah, no. Like, ended up meeting this dude. He was amazing. And I was just like, wow, cool, man. I fucking love this dude. Like, yeah. It was great. All right. Uh, one last thing, unless, you know, Felipe or you want to say anything else, who ended up winning this whole thing? Uh, the guy that ended up winning this whole thing is a guy named Hot Dog. Um, Hot Dog is from Hong Kong, he plays Bison, so something, something for me to look up to in terms of, man, what options should I be doing here? So, it's really funny, because I look at his offense, and I'm like, yeah, I can see why he does that. I know why he did that. I look at his defense, and I'm like, this dude is a genius. This dude just obviously knows something that I don't. He's just picking between... Digging into some, like, M. Bison secret deep lore on blocking. Not, not like, his, his, so his defense, like, has been described as being, like, very Street Fighter V-esque, which means that, like, Street Fighter V doesn't have, like, the most amazing defensive options, right? But it does have, like, it gives you, like, access to, like, a really good backdash. If you have a three-frame normal, you're well-positioned. Bison has a three-frame normal. If you have an EXDP, you're obviously even more well-positioned. Bison doesn't have one of those, right? So, realistically, your best options are delay button, um, delay, like, backdashing or delay backdashing, um, so which forces, like, an air attack if you get hit, um, or just, like, sitting there and blocking it out, and sometimes just taking the throw, right? Or delay jab, and so on and so forth, right? So, like, but the way that Hot Dog picks his options, sometimes he just gets out of the situation, right? He knows how to backdash. He knows when he should press. He knows when his opponent is going to go for something fake. And he just, like, runs, like, the the, the risk-reward, like, through his head, comes out with an answer, and so very, very often it is the right answer on defense that allows him to get out of certain situations, um, which is really good for Bison, uh, which is something I should probably do more because backdashing with Bison is really good because if you return the game to a neutral state, Bison is very well positioned because he has a solid neutral game. He can just hit you and do things, right? So that that's he ended up winning the whole thing. It was really good. At the end, I thought that he was going to ask, uh, hey, man, so how do you feel about Hong Kong? But he didn't. Uh, it was James Chen, and James Chen took that time because... Uh, because of to, course he would. Thank, the man is a legend. James Chen took that time to ask him, hey, is your tag hot dog because you were a big wiener today? And I, everybody in the audience was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but we did get to find out two things. One, uh, hot dog doesn't even eat hot dogs. Doesn't even like them. It was just a childhood nickname. Huh. 
Two, uh, his name is Hot Dog Twenty Nine, which after doing a little bit of digging and research, I found out that the characters for Twenty Nine in I think Cantonese have a phonetic uh, resemblance. It's it's like a phonetic wordplay thing where it's uh it sounds exactly like hot dog. So his name is lit- Hot Dog Twenty Nine is literally just Hot Dog Hot Dog. A legend. An actual legend. An actual genius. Hey, circling back to episode uh, two, where what do you think the rating on uh, on his? Oh man, <laughs> terrible. God so off. here's the thing, yeah, it'd be, be god awful. He's got numbers in his name, like it's gonna be a terrible name, Hot Dog, yeah. but you'll never forget it. Also, his Twitter, Hot Dog is tasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's pretty course, good. He doesn't know because he is... doesn't even eat him. He doesn't know. He doesn't even eat him. Like, how would you know that, man? Like, I feel this like this man is gonna kill me. I'm gonna die. It's so good. Oh man! I'm looking at the bracket. It looks like Knuckle Dude was in Grands. He lost to Hot Dog, but that's awesome though because he got the Grands. Yeah, Knuckle Dude is. I just like seeing the Tampa boys go far, man. So. I feel that. Cup, I think like two years ago or something. He did, yeah. Yeah. Dude's really out here doing, living his best life. That's all you can do, man. Yeah. He got second here, and if I remember correctly, I think he... So there was a... So this is the thing, too. Because it's a regional finals, right? There was a second tournament on the next day um, because there was the open bracket today, and on the other day, there was the um, the regional final, and he won the regional final, actually. Goddamn right he did. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a, a legend. A legend out here. My man. shout out to Florida boys. Damn right. shout out to Florida boys. Yep. That's where all the good people are at. Hey... Unless you guys got anything else, uh, I think we can uh, wrap up this episode. Follow me on Twitter at Deanthrax. I'll post more stuff. You can follow me on almost all forms of social media at Deanthrax. Must be nice. Well, he only has one name, not three. I only have one name. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is pretty nice. I carefully curated to make sure that I, when I run into situations like this, I can just plug that. It's pretty good. I'm going to be at Freddy Zero on Twitter. Hey. Yeah. And uh, you can follow me at uh, MonkHB on Twitch. Uh, and uh, for more content like this, you can go to QedUpEsports.com. Uh, we do podcast episodes, uh, release one every Monday. There'll be some amount of writing. Uh, if you are in the mood to read, uh, the last episode we did, I wrote a pretty much like a college paper on uh, <laughs> what uh, a game that could have been an esport. So go ahead and check that out. If you're uh, listening to this on the website, check us out on Spotify because I got that figured out whenever uh, whenever it gets approved. So yeah, hey, thank you, uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace, bye.